Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, uh, as you may be aware, the government has announced it will pass legislation to introduce the specific offence of grooming children into crime. It's an issue that various agencies have been aware of for quite a while, not to mention the communities where it happens. Henry McKean has been out to visit some of them. Henry, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, So uh, Mm. tell us about the various places you went to. Yeah, so I visited different parts of the city, which I don't want to actually pick on any particular area, but I did visit lots of different areas, north side and south side. And I heard from community leaders, including Sphere 17, a regional youth service in Darndale. They say grooming kids isn't uncommon it's typical typically relates to street level roles in the drug trade kids who are vulnerable in some way are targeted and it can give them you know a sense of belonging um, protection a purpose uh, but it can also lead to a life of trauma and addiction and it's clothes in sense of sean it's um jackets it's expensive Montclair jackets that are about 1400 and then they get trapped by debt then they've got to work off that debt and then the families then get tied into the debt and there can be a real threat of violence and we're asking i suppose today how effective can this new fagan's law be uh, and since um kids and their families lots of them and we find that in this report lots of families that i've met um they were basically fearful when it came to speaking out here are people from all over Ireland who uh, basically joined these gang networks growing up and they've spent um, some time in jail, but they're now out. I got locked up in 2017 and I only got out in 2021. It's gangs. And I've also done prison myself also too. You've been in prison? Seven months. It hasn't been easy. And, and were you groomed into a gang? Did you find yourself in a gang? I was groomed. I was barely one. It, was it wasn't where I grew up. It doesn't matter. You could grow up in the ghetto and still come out as being okay. Mm. You need support around you. I did see them as gangs. When I was growing up, I had a kind of heart, so I went out and seen all like, your mates standing on the corners and you see how easy the money comes in and then... You can get a job and then all of a sudden then the drugs is more easier, the money is more quicker. It's more complicated than that because they're not only groomed into gangs, mate, yet they're groomed into addiction from a young age. And they don't understand yet what they're going through. What age were you when you ended up in a gang, if you can call it? Maybe eight years of age, yeah, and I was brought oh, yeah. up with the Christian yeah. brothers, mate, yeah. Like, for example, when I was younger, I wanted to fit in. It starts from a young age. You may suffer anxiety, you may... You feel like you could be bullied as a child and you could have the best of things in life as a child. But at the end of the day, you all want to be the same so you can fit in and be appreciated and basically just fit in. When I was younger, I would have been about 12 and that's when it started to affect me. I felt abandoned and I wanted to be um, accepted. Right, uh, that's uh, some of the people who struggle to get out of those gangs after they joined as kids. Now, now obviously, there's a knock-on effect, mm. as, you, as you mentioned here, on families yeah. uh, uh, being at risk from drug debts uh, and the like. Yeah. How, how, like, is there any mm. kind of set way for them to get their kids out of the, this predicament and themselves, indeed? It's really difficult because sometimes you have the whole estate or everyone is some way related to the drug trade in some parts of the city. Um, so you've got relatives, you've got brothers, you've sisters, you've got grandparents, parents. They've all been affected in some way and they kind of get um, dragged into it, into these gang networks. Yeah, whoever sell there, that's there. You buy you this and get you that. And then. Well, before you know it, they're on drugs. And you see it? Mm, oh, I see it every day. People need to stand up and walk together, 
keep the kids off corners, keep them away from the drugs. That's what we need. We need more activities for the kids down here, down this way. Like you'd see it, we're on a street corner. There's no one drug dealing right in front of us at the moment because I suppose I'm standing here, but if I wasn't, there could be a yeah, deal. Yeah, there could be two or three. <laughs> can we change things? Can this Fagan's law can change? change? Everything can change. It's just getting up and down it. When you see a friend or a relative, you know... It hurts seeing them. It's just when they're all doing that, we're all doing it different things. Some of us are walking, some of us are on, on disability, and some of us are drug dealing. Like, don't listen to the, the, the bad ones. Listen to the good people who keep you on the straight path. And when you saw them doing bad stuff, selling drugs, you know, getting involved in the wrong crowd... You move on. You move on from them, them just, kind of people. They're not your friends anymore. They're not friends. They're just drug dealers. They're not friends. Some people think, because oh, you might get drugs off this fella, they're your friend. They're not your friend. They are drug dealer at the end of the day. Will this Fagan's law work? Uh, I'd give it a yeah, bash in anyway. A bash. No harm in trying. Right, the, I don't know if I really like the, the, the term Fagan's mm. Law. I know it's become popular in the media, but yes. it seems to kind of trivialise it uh, slightly. Yeah, yeah popular, um, popular uh, too. Yeah. It's so, slightly offensive. Yeah. Um, how would it work mm. anyway? Yeah, well, I got to meet Dr. Sean Redmond uh, from the University of Limerick and the Department of Justice. He leads a team of researchers. He's been doing this for a number of years, and uh, they're trying to improve uh, with policy and this program for young people. They had a, a project called the Greentown Project, an investigation system identifying the most vulnerable young people who are at risk joining organized crime gangs. And you could say the law is kind of based on his work. I asked him, will this law work? And he explains how the gangs live within a community. A lot of the gangs live side by side or cheek by jowl with the children and young people and the families, so they're really part of the community. Um, I think in, with most of the networks that we've studied, um, they've been around for a long time, and they're actually part of the, the neighbourhood fabric. Uh, not necessarily a welcome guest or a welcome neighbour, but they're very much part of the, the, the fabric. So it's not like a formal recruitment process. It's more like you know these kids are living cheek by jowl with a lot of the people who are involved in very serious crime anyway. How young are they and how many kids do you think in the country are at risk? We know that children as young as 10 have been involved in couriering drugs or uh, involved in conveying uh, uh, money or, or drugs uh, around um, neighbourhoods. That's extremely young. It must be below the age of criminal responsibility. And we've kind of calculated based on, I think, a reasonably sophisticated estimate that about a 1,000 kids in the state of about half a million um, are involved in uh, uh, or at risk of being involved in crime networks. And that, I think, is... Still a sizable number. Um, the thing that's of uh, importance to us as well is that these young people present with really, really complex situations that we need to kind of coordinate really well on. And also these young people, we suspect, are responsible for a hugely disproportionate amount of crime. That was uh, Dr. Sean Redman from the University in Limerick. Uh, and uh, you met some mm. people as well, Henry, yes. um, who perhaps were the kind of people that you'd yeah. need to protect from the, uh, this kind of influence. I did I met vulnerable people some you know that could end up joining a gang um, I met people in different parts of the city and you know we've got to be careful to just pick on one part of the city but also this happens in other cities across the country and yet some are already in gangs and they've already been groomed and they might not even realise it and many of these young people I approached were wearing these top of the range Swiss ski jackets I think they're called Montclair they're around 1400 they're high quality you normally see them on on the ski slopes, but they're also considered 
a really cool bit of merch or a bit of cool clothing. And this is what the young people want. And sometimes they get bribed with these. Um, the, the kids give reasons uh, why they join a gang. It's hard for young people to get jobs nowadays, so it's handy money. So you're getting people in and then taking, taking advantage of them, kind of the goose or Montclair or something like that. Like I've seen all my mates from primary school they uh, used to wear pennies and their mum wouldn't buy them anything. And then coming into first or second year, they're wearing Canada Goose, expensive runners. And they're like, where are you getting this from, you know? Like, I know I do sports, and that takes me away from a lot of like criminal gangs and stopping, stopping me going out on the weekends and getting manipulated. Designer is more of a want than a need, but do you want you to be want cool? Because like, they don't want to disappoint their friends, so then they get forced to do it as well. And you know young lads that have kind of gone down that route? Yeah, like loads. Because I got pressured into doing it. So they kind of just started doing it and they liked doing it, so they continued doing it and they're just into it now. You've got a, a beautiful Montclair jacket. Montclair, yeah, yeah. It's the real thing. I mean, it's... Yeah, what it's it's Look at how the label on it. So, so <laughs> what did it cost? Yeah, it's 1400 so more than a thousand, one thousand four hundred euro for a jacket. Yeah. Can I touch it? Yeah, you can. My hands are clean. Okay, so it's top quality, like yeah. as if you're yeah, well, in Zermatt or in um, Switzerland skiing. I mean, royalty. Um, why, why do young people? Why do they want jackets like that? It's just a style, like isn't it? And I know it's a very personal question. How did you raise the money for it? Yeah, uh, my plum on it, there. So you work it? hard. Yeah. Issues at home and home's not a place they want to be. And I think if they're not fitting in there and they're not fitting in skill, that's a place that they can fit in. And designer gear and stuff, I suppose, gives them a little bit of a superiority. Because it's easy, I suppose. It's easier than going to college and studying in school and staying in school till you're 18 and then leaving school and doing four or five years in college and then possibly not even getting the job you want or working your way up. See someone that has the designer gear. Oh, they've obviously got money. Have they got money? They're selling drugs. I'll do that. You know, represented in the media in general, like you know, with the hip hop culture and all, flashing their gear, their chains, their clothes. So when they see like someone with that kind of thing, they say, "Oh, I can, ach- I can achieve what people who are famous have." Yeah, there you go. But plus, also, I, I, from from what I've read, what often happens mm. is that you know they'll turn a kid's head and say, "Deliver this package someplace." Yes, and then deliberately have have them robbed. So then the kid comes back and says, somebody stole it off me. They said, well, now you owe us the money. And then they're kind of trapped in that situation. So they kind of get fooled into it. They get, yeah. you know, conned into it. And you, you really hit on something because, you know, one teacher said to me he didn't um, want to come on tape. He didn't want to come on the air. But he said he doesn't see them as groomed into gangs. He sees them as trafficked into them, that they're, mm. you know, it's a form of trafficking. Uh, and he can see kids at risk. Um and he would try and, you know, look out for them and try and get them into youth clubs. Uh, but older teenagers would come over or, or young adults and say, no, 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 he's with me. You know, he, you know, he's not joining the youth club. So he can and he's been told basically to back off. I did get to speak to a principal that did chat with us. Um, principal Mark Candon from St. Lawrence or Tools on Civil Place in, in the north inner city. And this is how he sees it. A bit like what you've said, how they get involved in a gang network from a young age. Kids like doing messages. So you could be asking somebody to, will you mind that for me? Or will you, here, will you give that to somebody else? And it can start there. It's a very, very difficult life, as we know, to to extract yourself from, you know, or to, or to change from or whatever else. Um, so over the years, would we have seen young people or children who, who would have been vulnerable to that? Yes, because as you know, here in the North Wall, 
you know, you've heard in the media before about the, the, the open air supermarket as it was referred to as on street drug dealing and so forth and so on. So if you've children growing up in that community exposed to looking at that, obviously the risks of becoming involved are potentially higher. I do think for the younger teenager, from the time you, you leave the primary school and go into the lower second level school, I would see a greater risk there. There's a greater peer pressure in relation to having your phone and your clothes and, you know, being the part and looking the part. And, I mean, I wonder if you even think of yourself as a young fella, or I think of myself as a young fella, and you're putting temptations for easy money in front of you. It can be maybe very hard to resist, you know, in the culture in Ireland now, whether it's urban or rural drugs or illegal drugs or even even you know even even prescription drugs are I would say as prevalent as alcohol in this society so they're pervasive between the bit about the grooming bit about where you can make a few bob out of it I see this the legislation you asked me about its intentions are good it'll be interesting to see how it works in practice won't it so if some young fella even justifying to himself or some young one is kind of like well I know it's in the package, but I'm only bringing it from here to there, sure. That's only, you know, what's the harm? So you have all of that. A- any stuff like this, legislation like this, is, you know, in relation to the, the challenge, it's kind of a, really a band-aid, isn't it? Or putting your thumb in the, in the dam to try and stop the, the water coming through. That said, though, there could well be, in the future, a child or a couple of children who get an opportunity, who get their lives saved because of this legislation. And that would validate it for me. If it saves one, it will have been worth it. That was uh, Principal Mark Candon there from St. Lawrence O'Toole's on several place in the, the north inner city. The thing is, though, I suppose, Henry, and mm. some people listening might say that there's also perhaps for some kids yes. an element where they see a lot of this happening around them where perhaps their their their, their family structure... Yeah mightn't be completely disapproving of this sort of thing. Well, this is it. A lot of them actually don't even see it as, you could say, drug dealing. They would see it as part of their community, a way of life. Sometimes the whole street uh, could be involved. Older relatives uh, might even have it stashed, you know, drugs in their house. So, yeah, kids do get caught up with it. Um, Here is Brendan Cummins, youth project leader from Family Base in Ballyfermot. He talks about the social deprivation, uh, extreme poverty, no timely, adequate supports, and he doesn't like that Oliver Twist reference. You can clearly kind of see why being involved in elements of criminality when your family is in extreme poverty can be quite attractive as a way of sustaining your, your, your family life. So if you have children who would be early school leavers, limited parental capacity at home um, and the right supports aren't going in there like it's a bit of a no-brainer of, of the way that young person's life and the hardship that young person may, may experience. I don't think young people see it as I suppose, always a, a negative path to be taken when you look at I suppose, what's accepted in, in disadvantaged areas as, as, as normalised behaviour in, in, in communities where if it happened in a different, more upper-class area it would be probably more like shocked like, and I think when people in different classes read about the law, um, they'll read it differently, seeing it as an attractive way of, of, of maybe supporting their parents um, or supporting the lifestyle that social media pushes on them, um, having to have all the flashy gear, your identity wrapped up in Tommy Hilfiger, Juicy Couture, everything that, that's been pushed onto, into a young person's face through social media and influencers. Like, it, it is a way of, I suppose, living into that image or a way of 
of, of getting that image when your parents can't afford um, Canada goose jackets for a thousand euro and they're, they're on offer in other ways um, and if you look at the young person's capacity, if you look at like are the early school leavers, if you look at the effects of trauma in their life as they're growing up and the other options that are available to them. So if you have a young person who has undiagnosed ADHD, undiagnosed psychology, um, hasn't had any educational assessments, has fallen out of school, is in extreme poverty, where else do they go? And I think there, as well as this law, I think are the other policies that we need to be looking at. So like, we need to be looking at child protection policy, we need to be looking at, I suppose, the waiting list for psychology in areas like this. I don't think they're entering into like a, a gangland career. I don't think that's what they're, they aspire to be. Like They're falling in with their peer groups. Like you could have like 13 year olds hanging around with 17 year olds, but the 17 year old is also hanging around with a 19 year old, is also hanging around with a 23 year old. And as they go up through the age, you might be at different levels of involvement. So if you have a group of young people who are hanging around, like it's what they're exposed to. So I don't always kind of think that they're entering into a gang. I think that they're, they're entering into a, a, a section of society or a section that might be viewed to them as community. Um, where externally, from the outside looking in, you'd be like, that's a gang. But, like, is it? That was uh, Brendan Cummins there. He's a youth project leader from Family Base in Ballyfermot, uh, ending uh, Henry's report. Thanks a million, uh, uh, Henry. That, uh, and we'll see how that, uh, uh, what kind of level of efficacy uh, that particular law has. Uh, when it's brought in, but as uh, Brendan there says, it's it's a complex issue. It really is.